Open your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. How many of you have company coming for Christmas? Would you raise your hand? You got some company coming for Christmas. Do you make preparations? Do you get ready? Have you ever gone over to somebody's house and you can tell they weren't ready for you? That ever happened? It's an uncomfortable thing. And what's worse is when somebody shows up to your house and you know you're not ready for them. Well, I wonder if you have prepared for the coming of Messiah. Now, Messiah has come, hasn't he? And there was some preparation that was done before Jesus Christ came. And so what we're going to look at this morning is preparation for Messiah, and then maybe to see how we can prepare for Messiah. Look at Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. The first thing that I want you to see is the historical and factual nature of Christmas. It really happened. It really happened. There was a baby lying in a manger in a smelly stable. It really happened. God entered into time and space. Look at Luke chapter 1 and verse 1. For as much as many have taken in hand to set forth in order a declaration of those things which are most surely believed among us, even as they delivered them unto us, which from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word. This is an interesting thing. Luke is saying that there are people that are writing about Jesus Christ and about everything that's happened. And he said it's interesting that they're giving those writings to us when we were the ones who saw it. We were there. So look at what verse 3 says. It seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write unto thee in order, most excellent Theophilus, most excellent Theophilus that thou mightest know the certainty of those things wherein thou hast been instructed. So what Luke is doing by inspiration of the Holy Spirit is he is saying, I want to write down the things that really happened. There are other things that are being written. Some of them are true. Some of them are not true. I'm going to write down what really happened. And so Luke has written us the most detailed account of everything that happened. There are things in Luke gospel, Luke's gospel that are not found anywhere else. The rich man of Lazarus, it's only found here. There are other stories that are only found in the book of Luke because he wanted to make sure that we really understood what was going on through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. It really happened. You know, it's hard to cut through all the stuff about Christmas and grab people by the collar and say, it really happened. We mentioned last week that watching all the Christmas specials, and I got to tell you, can I just give you an opinion real quick? I generally don't like to give you opinions. But when I, when I hear Mariah Carey singing a Christmas song, I just want to throw up. You know, just act like, a, act like a pig and then sing about Jesus. See, you know what's going on? Would you mind stop beating your feet there? Thank you. You know what's going on is she hears these words and the melodies are pretty. Not that she's ever actually sung the melody. But she has no idea what the words mean. You see, if Jesus Christ really did come at Christmas, then it matters how we live. That means there is a God. He entered into time and space, and He did it because men are sinners. We need a Savior. And to just sing about it and then go on and live our lives as if it never really happened, that is a mockery to God. And we as Christians need to have higher standards than that. 
the historical and factual nature of Christmas, it changes the way that we celebrate Christmas because it really happened. It's not just a holiday where we can get together and have fun. And aren't you glad we get together and have fun? We just had a Christmas fellowship downstairs, and it was so nice for our class to come together and just talk. We all get so busy running to and fro, and it's hard to just sit down and talk sometimes. And so we enjoy the the fun aspects of it, but the reason it's really fun is because it really happened. The historical and factual nature of Christmas. But then, there's not only that in preparing for Messiah, but there's also the physical and local nature of it. What do you mean? Look at verse 5. There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, now notice we're getting location. A certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abiah, and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Now notice the factual and historical detail. Local, physical. Now look at verse 6. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. Now let me ask you a question. Do you think that Zacharias and Elizabeth were perfect and sinless? No. No, but they were obedient to what God had asked them to do. They were under the blood of the sacrifices, so God saw them as blameless. Isn't that, isn't that good? You know what that tells me? You know what? I'm a knucklehead, and I mess up all the time. I don't have the right to stand before you and preach the Word of God because I'm just a knucklehead. And yet when God looks at me, He sees me through the righteousness of Jesus Christ. I get to stand before you today blameless, sinless, and perfect in the sight of God. Praise God. Now, if you're a guest with us, that's not saying that I am blameless and sinless and perfect. I mess up all the time. But the Bible says that because Jesus Christ is my Savior, God has has clothed me in the righteousness of Jesus Christ so that I get to go to heaven. I get to live a victorious life now. But we're looking at the physical and local nature of the preparation for Christmas. And look at verse 7. And they had no child, because that Elizabeth was barren, and they both were now well stricken in years. And it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people were praying without at the time of incense. Now look at verse 12. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. Now here's what's going on in this text. You have Zechariah and Elizabeth. And they are holy and righteous people. He's a priest. She came from a priestly line, but they can't have a son. An angel appears to him and says, you're going to have a son. But notice where he is when the angel appears. Look at verse 11. And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. He was at the place. He was at the place where God was going to meet him. Do you know that God wants to meet you? Do you know that there is a place, a specific and physical place where God wants to meet you? Now imagine, 
if he hadn't fulfilled what he was supposed to do. It was his turn to be there. It says, according to the course of Abijah, that means that he was there. This is the eighth course. It was at, right at the end of the Feast of the Tabernacles. That was his time to be there. And even though he was old, even though he was tired, even though he was worn out, he was where he was supposed to be. And God met with him there through the angel. I'm amazed at how many people say, I want to have a significant experience with God. I want to hear from God. I need to know God's plan for my life. Now, how many of you have ever felt that way? You're in a situation, you say, I need to hear from God right here. And yet the only thing you ever do is read the 23rd Psalm. Sometimes you just, if something else comes up, you're not going to come to the house of the Lord. You're not going to spend time at home with the Lord. I wonder if God wanted to come to your house and meet with you and speak to you, I wonder if there would ever be the opportunity to do that. I wonder if there's ever a time when you are quiet before Him and His Word. See, because angels don't come and meet before us now. They don't do that. Do you know why? God has given us His Word. So God wants to speak to you and meet with you through His Word. There are many times when we really need to hear from God. But we never go to the place where we can hear from Him. How many of you ever heard from God during a sermon where someone opened up the Word of God or, or a Sunday school lesson and that was just the Word from God that you needed? Has that ever happened? I wonder how many more times God had something prepared for you, but you just weren't there. You just weren't there. Uh, I know that early in our marriage, there were times when Laura and I just didn't want to go to church. And sometimes we didn't. But every time I went, I was glad that I did. There was something there for me, specifically for me, from God that day. So in preparation for Messiah, understand that God does want to speak to you, just like the angel wanted to speak to Zechariah, but there was a specific place where they needed to be. Then, oh yeah, I do have this written down. Sometime this Christmas season, why don't you just get alone with God? Just, just get alone with God and say, God, I'm here. Here I am. Here I am. I want to be quiet before you. I want to read your word. And read through the Christmas stories of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew, Mark, and Luke give it to us in a chronological way. John gives it to us in a theological way. You read through those books and say, God, I'm here. Show me something. I promise you, you're going to learn something about the Christmas story, about what Christ did, about what God did, that you've never seen before. That you've never seen before. God wants to speak to you. Find some time to get alone. The next thing that I want you to see is, and, and this one is just for my wife. I want you to see the organized nature of God's preparation for Christmas. She is the most organized, detailed person that I know. Uh, some people call it obsessive-compulsive, but we've not been to psychiatrist. We'll just say organized. And when you see a cabinet or something and you know just where everything is, it's all just in place. Do you know that God is the author? God is the author of organization. God is the author of order. 
And he loves for things to be done in order. As a matter of fact, in the church, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, it says, let everything be done decently and in order. And it's interesting that even the coming of Messiah, God organized that and prepared it in a special and detailed way. You know, the reason that a lot of Christians get messed up is they're trying to get ahead of God's process. You know that God is a God of order and he works in steps and in stages. And sometimes we try to get ahead of God's process. How many of you, when you first got married, bought furniture that you couldn't afford? Anybody do that? Why? Because mom and dad had that stuff. We got to have it. You buy the truck just like dad had. You buy the tools just like dad had. And all of a sudden, you're way over your head in debt. Do you know what you're doing there? You're getting ahead of God's process. Do you know that God intends for you to have to work and save in order to have things? That's God's plan. And yet we get ahead of God's process. I wonder what would have happened if the people chose a Messiah ahead of the time that God had prepared it. And remember, we've said it over and over again. Remember what Galatians 4, 4 says. It says, In the fullness of time, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law. There was a fullness of time. God had prepared the world specifically for this time period when Jesus Christ would come. We've talked about all of the different ways that he prepared the world for Messiah. But there are several specific ways that I want to deal with this morning. The first one is God had prepared the language and the cultural thought forms that people would, so that people could understand who the Messiah was. Here's the idea. In the world... They wanted to have all kinds of different gods. Well, God had established for Israel, there's only one God. Hebrews 6, 4. There's only one God. The Lord, our Lord, is one Lord. One God. And they established the terminology. God established the, the terminology of atonement. That is that we are sinners and that sin must be paid for. And the payment must include the shedding of blood. All of that terminology was prepared before the Messiah came. He had established a culture that could receive Jesus Christ. How many of you have ever heard someone say that it is ridiculous that God would only have one people? But I just watched a debate, and that's what this man was saying. That if there is a God, I don't want to know Him because he allowed all of this suffering for thousands of years before Jesus Christ came. No. He misunderstands it all. He chose a people. He established their culture, their language, and their religion so that the whole world would know who he was through their language, through their understanding of God. And then he sent the Messiah to them. Imagine all the preparation it took to do that. All of the preparation, all of the time that it took, God works in a pattern. Have you ever wondered, if you look back at verse chapter 1 again, verse 5, There was in the days of Herod, a king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abiah. Now that's the Greek version of Abijah from the Old Testament. And his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Thousands of years. Do you realize how many times, how many courses of priests there were from the time when that was established in Leviticus all the way until Jesus Christ came? 
And he had ordered it precisely so that it would be Zachariah, Zacharias standing there in the temple so that he could speak to him to bring about John to announce the Messiah. I think that's organization. I think that's planning. And he had it in a detailed way. If you listen to the angels, they always speak and use the imagery of Judaism. Jesus didn't just spring full-blown into the world. He was a Jew teaching Jewish concepts to Jews. God commanded the temple to be built. He had it all established before Gabriel ever came to speak to Zacharias. Then, I want you to see this. And I like this one. This is, my, this is the fun one for me. The supernatural preparation, as if the other wasn't supernatural. But here we have evident supernatural preparation for Messiah. Now, now here's the deal. We, because of television and movies and stuff, we have a conceptualization of the supernatural that is so far below what really happens. It is so far below. They can't make movies to prove or to, to demonstrate what God has really done. Look at verse 11 again. And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. If you look at verse 19, And the angel answering said unto him, I am Gabriel. So we know that this angel is the angel Gabriel. Now, one of the most interesting things about this story is almost as if God ripped open heaven and a bunch of angels fell out. Have you ever noticed the Christmas story? There are angels everywhere. Angels we have heard on high. It's all about angels, isn't it? Well, it's actually all about Jesus, but there are angels everywhere announcing the story. Now, this is the angel Gabriel, and this is just an aside. I think it's interesting. Muhammad claims that it was Gabriel that brought him the Quran. And then he describes Gabriel as a 600-winged monster. Do you think maybe that Daniel, Zacharias, Mary, Joseph, do you think maybe they would have mentioned that? Somehow they conveniently left that out. Do you know what that tells me? That tells me that Muhammad was smoking something. <laughs> there, there was no angel that came to him, and if it was, it was a demon. It was not the angel Gabriel. Amen? All right. Interesting, interesting thought. How consistent the Word of God is and how inconsistent the cults, inconsistent the cults are. What about all these angels? An angel talking to Joseph, an angel talking to Mary, an angel talking to Zacharias. There are angels meeting with the shepherds. There are angels singing and announcing. It's like the blinders have been removed and we can see the supernatural. You know what that immediately makes me think of? Look at First Kings. I'm sorry, Second Kings, chapter 6. Second Kings, chapter 6. Um, in Africa, there was a medical missionary. And... Uh, he was helping a man. He was an older gentleman. And this missionary had been there for about 20 years. And this older man came to him and he, he helped him. And the gentleman said to the missionary, he said, where are all of your friends? And the missionary said, what friends? He said, well, the last time I saw you, there were many of you. 
And he said, when, when did you see me? He said, it was many years ago. It was 15 or 20 years before. This African man saw the missionary and was coming to kill him. But when he came to kill him, there were too many people there. He was afraid to attack him. And the missionary said, but I was alone. You see, God still sends His angels to protect us. When, when you get to Revelation chapter 2 and 3, God is writing unto the angel of the church at Ephesus, the angel of the church at, at Sardis and Thyatira and Philadelphia and Laodicea. There are angels. That, do you know if there's an angel for this church? I believe that. To protect us, to protect this place. We have such a low view of God in the spirit world. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and the rulers of darkness in high places. We, we are in a spiritual warfare. We live in a spiritual world. And all of these angels are visible here. Look at Second Kings chapter 6. Look at verse... Look at verse um, 8. Then the king of Syria warred against Israel and took counsel with his servants, saying, In such and such a place shall be my camp. And the men of God and the man of God sent unto the king of Israel, saying, Beware that thou pass not such a place, for thither the Syrians are come down. And, son, you need to stop beating your feet there, okay? And the king of Israel sent to the place uh, which the man of God had told him and warned him of, and saved himself there, not once nor twice. Therefore the heart of the king of Syria was sore troubled for this thing. And he called his servants and said unto them, Will you not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? And one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet that is in Israel, telleth the king of Israel the words that thou speakest in thy bedchamber. How about that? And he said, Go and spy where he is, that I may send and fetch him. And it was told him, saying, Behold, he is in Dothan. Therefore sent he thither horses and chariots and a great host. And they came by night and compassed the city about. And when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, an host compassed the city, both with horses and chariots. And his servant said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? And he answered, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And can't you just imagine the servant saying, Are you crazy? Look, and he's looking around. Well, you got a mouse in your pocket or something? It's just you and me. What, how are we going to stand against this? And look at what he says. Verse 17, And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. And when they came down to him, Elisha prayed unto the Lord and said, Smite this people, I pray thee, with blindness. And he smote them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. You see, there was clearly an enemy. There was a genuine battle. There was a genuine struggle. But you know what the servant didn't realize? It wasn't only a physical battle. It was a spiritual battle. And there were a God had sent angels, an entire host. Now, let me ask you a question. 
Would it take a host? It won't take one. Do you know what God says? Don't worry. Don't worry. I have you surrounded. I have you surrounded. Do you know what God did at Christmas? He removed the blinders. Can you imagine if we could have seen the actual spiritual warfare that was going on at the cross? Can you imagine? Remember what Jesus Christ said? He said, if I wanted to, I could call 10,000 angels. I can call 10 legions of angels, and they would come and destroy you. You know what I think? I think those angels were ready. I think that if we could have seen past all of the blood and all of the carnage, that there, were, and that there was an entire host of heaven waiting. And I'll bet you the hosts of hell were there waiting for there to be a battle. But Jesus Christ said, there's only one battle today. And I'm going to win it by dying. See, at some point in our lives, we have to understand that we live in a spiritual battle. We get so wrapped up in our physical lives. And I got to tell you, I love Christmas. I love getting presents. 44 short, 33 waist, size 9, okay? I love getting presents. I love the physical stuff of Christmas. Laura's going to make a pumpkin pie. I've been doing low carb, so I'm blowing it on that day. Satan came to my Sunday school class with a chocolate-covered Krispy Kreme donut this morning. Get thee behind me, Satan. And I can't wait. I love all the physical stuff about Christmas. That's all great. But, you know, it's much more than that. We live in a spiritual world. We are going to live forever in a spiritual world. I wonder how many of you, honestly, if you would say, I'm a little tied down right now. Would you, you just be honest? I'm a little tied to this world right now. Now, the simple fact is, Jesus in John chapter 17, he did say he was leaving us in this world and he was going to keep us in this world. We're supposed to occupy till he comes. We are entangled with this world to a certain extent. So don't just give up everything. You know, we don't have any Kool-Aid downstairs. You know, we are going to live in this world and function in this world. But at some point, we've got to lift our eyes beyond the physical and realize the supernatural that's going on around us. That is the supernatural preparation for Christmas. We forget about the angels and that there's a supernatural preparation going on for what's going on in your life right now. If you have cancer, don't forget about the angels. If you have a child that's away from God, don't, don't forget about the angels. You've got a problem in your marriage relationship, don't forget about the angels. Do you know that God still does miracles? I don't do miracles. You don't do miracles. But God does. Dr. Reed, he's a miracle. A living miracle right here. Miracles do happen. But God also wants us to see his miraculous hand in our daily lives. You know what? God may have supernaturally ordered you to be here today so that you can hear that He wants you to be saved. He wants you. He died for you. He loves you. He cares about you. We don't live natural lives. 
there ought to be something in our lives that can only be explained in the terms of the supernatural. Well, then what about the confirmation of those things? Look at the confirmation of Christmas. The confirmation of this preparation. Look at verse 20. And behold, verse 19, And the angel answering said unto him, I am Gabriel that standeth in the presence of God, and am sent to speak unto thee, and show thee these things, or show thee these glad tidings. And behold, thou shalt be dumb, and not able to speak until the day that these things shall be, be performed, because thou believest not my words, which shall be fulfilled in their season. I wonder, uh, I really wonder, in my own personal life, how often I've been stunted because I did not believe. Now, all of you tall people, no jokes. But seriously, I wonder how many times God had something for me to... Doug, quit that grin. He was just busting on me in Sunday school about that. We have a, we're putting lights in our, in our living room. And he said, you could just put, it, put lights on your fan. He said, it wouldn't bother you, but other people it would be a problem for. <laughs> but I honestly wonder how many times God has wanted me to do something. Has, has something for me to do, but I didn't believe him. And it didn't happen. Now, now let's, let's be honest. How many of you, you know, there's been a time when you know God wanted you to speak to someone? You know. Would you raise your hand? No. Again, let's be honest. How many of you maybe didn't do it? I wonder what would have happened if you did. Do you see what I'm saying? It's just like the angel Gabriel coming to Zacharias and saying, you guys are going to have a baby. No, I'm old. It can't happen. I'm old, okay? You're going to be dumb now. You can't talk. You're done until this happens. I wonder how many times God has wanted to use us, but we didn't have faith. We didn't have faith. We are called. We are called to be the preparation for Messiah. Just as John was prepared. See, there's a personal preparation for Christmas. Look at, 50, look at verse 57. Verse 57. Now, Elizabeth's full time came that she should be delivered, and she brought forth a son. Look at verse 63. What they're trying to do is they're going to say, she says, what are we going to, they ask her, what are we going to name him? And she says, John. And the family all says, no, we, you need to call him Zacharias or something. There's nobody named John in your family. And so look at what happens in verse uh, 62. And they made signs to his father how he would have him called. Isn't that funny? He's not deaf. Isn't that just the way that we are? Have you ever found yourself, in, when, when Kurt Lebov was here, he's going to be back with us next year, he's the blind singer, preacher. I find myself talking louder to him. <laughs> you know, he's not confused about it, but I am. Isn't it funny? They're making signs, you know. He can hear, he just can't talk. And look at what he says, verse 63. And he asked for a writing table and wrote saying, his name is John. And they marveled all. And his mouth was opened immediately and his tongue loosed, and he spake and praised God. Look at verse 76. 
And thou, child, shalt be called the prophet of the highest, for thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways. John's mission was in the spirit of Elijah to go before Jesus Christ and say the Messiah is coming. He's supposed to call Israel back to the Messiah. He's supposed to turn fathers to their children and disobedient children to their fathers. That's the message that John had. Do you know that you and I have a message? Did you know that Jesus Christ is coming back? Do you know that according to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, you and I, we are new creatures, but we are more than new creatures. We are ambassadors for Christ. And it is our job to prepare the way for Messiah. Look at 2 Peter. 2 Peter. Look at verse 10. But the day of the Lord... I'm sorry, 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Look at verse 14. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless, and account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul also, according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you, and all, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, as they do also the other scriptures unto their own destruction. Ye therefore, beloved, seeing you know these things before, Beware, lest ye also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. But grow in grace, and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To Him be glory, both now and forever. Amen. Do you know what? Jesus Christ is coming back. Now, how many of you think that God actually did prepare the way for Messiah? you believe that? Do you know that He has left us here to prepare the way for Messiah? He has left us here. There's one preparation that's supposed to be made. I'm supposed to be holy. I'm supposed to be righteous. I am supposed to, through the power of the Holy Spirit and the cleansing of the Word of God, become a different person every day. Every day. His mercies are new every morning. I am supposed to be becoming, be becoming more and more like Christ every day. How's your preparation coming? I like what someone said. How's your death coming along? You see, we're supposed to prepare the way for Messiah. Now, here's the deal. Imagine someone that you really respect. Someone that, that's kind of a hero to you. And you found out they were coming to your house. They were coming to your house. Laura and I both love her old pastor, Sam Davis. And if Brother Sam was coming into town and he was coming to our house, Laura, do you think you'd clean it? 
I guarantee you, it, it would be spotless. And woe unto him that dirties it. <laughs> Why? The brother Sam's coming. We love him. We respect him. Jesus is coming, folks. Jesus is coming. Clean up your house. Jesus is coming. Be careful how you look. Be careful how you behave. You better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why. Jesus Christ is coming again. He is coming. He is coming. And you know what he wants to do? The Apostle Paul said this. The Apostle Paul wrote, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the Word of God, so that the church could be presented to the bridegroom, a spotless virgin, pure and holy. I wonder, and I, you know what I'm glad about this year? Today is the 20th. We have all the way until Friday before Christmas comes. Do you know that we have some time to prepare for Messiah? Now, we understand He's not coming. He might be. He might be. Could it be today? Preparation for Messiah. You know, God organized all of that. He did it specially. He prepared it all for Messiah to come. And then He prepared you to receive Him. And now He's preparing you to be received. The Lord Himself will descend with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Are you ready? Are you ready for the undertaker or the uppertaker? Are you ready for either way it goes? Hey, Messiah's coming. How many of you believe Messiah's coming? Messiah's coming. Are you ready? Preparation for Messiah. Lord, thank you so much for your word.